Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there, and welcome to The Syrupcast. The Syrupcast is a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech website in which we look back at the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. This is episode 173. We're recording it on Thursday, June 21st, 2018. This week, I'm joined by Mobile Syrup Telecom and news editor, Rose Bahar. Hey, thanks for having me. Staff reporter, Samir Chabra. Hello, hello. And last, but certainly not least, we have a very special guest. Uh, joining us from Ottawa is Ben Klass. Ben is a PhD uh, student at the School of Journalism and Communication at Carleton University. And if you've read any CRTC, um, uh, anything CRTC related, Ben will have featured probably in something. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Very generous of, uh, of you to have me on. Uh, it is our pleasure. Uh, so we brought Ben on to talk about a variety of CRTC related things. Uh, last week while we were recording last week's podcast, um, the news broke that uh, one Navdeep Baines, Minister of Innovation, Science, and Economic Development, nailed it for the first time ever, um, ordered the CRTC to investigate so-called high-pressure um, sales practices at Canada's quote-unquote largest telecommunications companies. Who could they be? We don't know. Uh, hard to say. Hard to say. Very there hard to say. There are a lot. And they're all very big, right? Um, and I think it's fair to say that was unexpected, especially after what had happened previously when uh, Mr. Baines, uh, or Minister Baines, excuse me, had said to the COTC to look back at the previous decision on um, Wi-Fi first uh, mobile networks. Um, so I guess the first place to start and the most obvious place to start is... How shocking was this, I mean, announcement? And Ben, do you want to start us off? For sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's shocking. Maybe a bit of a surprise. I, you know, I certainly uh, didn't, uh, didn't know what was going to happen, but I, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's squarely within um, the, the sort of direction that the industry ministry has taken in the past. Uh, and I think that uh, it's definitely a welcome development mm -hmm. to see see that the uh, the government is paying attention to these issues and uh you know the crtc which is an unelected board of uh typically uh industry um or other sort of expert uh appointees uh isn't willing to listen to uh to people's problems then that's the government's job to tell them that they uh they better do something rosen samir i mean i would say uh it was certainly surprising i wasn't expecting it but uh, at this point now, I think that like the ISCD and the CRTC have sort of uh, fallen into a bit of a good, a good cop, bad cop role. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, you know, like that's them sort of pressuring the CRTC to be a little more consumer friendly on the face of it. But I, I don't think that 
the ISED and the CRTC are actually as at odds as it would seem from um, appearances. I think, you know, we're, we're still looking at ISED as like a liberal government, you know, it's a liberal, liberal government and there's still kind of an interest in being very corporation friendly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's cool that we've seen this, but I'm not sure that the results will be um, very uh, exciting for consumers. Amir, you were the one who wrote this article in a, in a fever dream, I would say. Um, what was your take on it? Well, so it's, it's sort of like Rose said. Um, I, again, it's not it's not terribly, um, or rather, it's, it's, as Ben said, it's not terribly surprising that it happened. I think what's surprising, though, is that I said has sent this back to the CRTC, like they did with the MVNO decision, mm-hmm. but with the Sugar Mobile MVNO situation. And I think in my mind, um, again, the CRTC hasn't formally like ruled that they will never investigate um, Canada's large telecommunications carriers, te- Canada's largest telecoms, whatever you want to say. The big three. It's the big three. I'm sorry. Bell, is, Rogers, there tell are, us. There are, there are three... Say their names. There are three major carriers in this country. I don't think anyone here um, really needs to pretend that... It, yes, it's Bell, Rogers, and Tell. So I, I think, to me, um, it's more surprising that I said decided to send it back to the CRTC based on the fact that when um, the PIAC, the Public Interest and Advocacy Center, you know, formally requested that the CRTC conduct this investigation, um, the CRTC chairperson, Ian Scott, said, now, we don't need to do that because uh, if there are any sales difficulties, if there are any high-pressure sales situations, you have the CCTS, you can complain about telecoms to the CCTS, and that's sort of the uh, the form of a remedy mm-hmm. for, um, for Canadians. So, I, again, I, I think... Ultimately, we have to we have to not think about whether it's surprising that the that, that I said sent this to the CRTC back, but rather that I said chose to send it back, sort of knowing full well that the kind of CRTC that Ian Scott is running is not this heavily pro-consumer nor this heavily pro-industry organization. It's sort of this neutral middle ground agency. Yeah. So can I jump in? For yeah, of course. Um, I think, uh, Samira, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, both your, your and Rose's comments are, uh, are generally uh, right on, although there are more than three carriers. There, there are three large mobile carriers, but we're not talking just about mobile here. This is uh, telecommunication services across the board, right? So uh, we've got your, um, you know, home internet, you've got cable TV or IPTV, depending on the provider. You've got telephone service. Uh, you know, some of them are offering OTTs and there's vertical integration too. So these, a lot of these companies own content as well. So we're talking about people's communication service across the, whole, the board, the whole spectrum, you know. Um, and I think it's, it's important because it is, it is highly concentrated. The CRTC hasn't looked, in, uh, looked into this just yet, but I suspect once they do, they'll find out that these types of practices are pretty, pretty systemic, right? And like who, whose parents haven't, uh, haven't called them here asking, you know, what, are, what am I supposed to sign up for? I don't know what to do and so on. Or, or you know, uh, a grandparent who, who gets a big bill and complains at the dinner table or something, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean, in, in terms of this CRTC, this particular CRTC, we don't have a lot to go on in terms of their, their approach to the telecoms industry. There haven't been a lot of, uh, you know, it, it hasn't been particularly active so far in, uh, in investigating telecoms issues. Like we've had a couple of big broadcasting hearings. And I think like broadcasting takes up a lot of the CRTC's uh, resources in terms of time and the hearings that they do. But, uh, but I think that that, I mean, it, it's interesting to me because inactivity, I think, is a form of, uh, of uh, a stance that they've taken, you know. So just to say that they haven't done a lot and that they're not heavily consumer, but they're not heavily industry either. Well, we have seen a fair amount of evidence that 
the CRTC is is uh, sort of taking the side of the industry, and I think it's important to uh, to highlight that the fact that they're not doing a heck of a lot on this front uh, sort of falls down on that that side uh, of things as well. On the industry side, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that sort of status quo, which is status quo is uh, you know the industry is thriving and doing you know essentially what they'd like to be doing right now. So mm-hmm. staying the same is kind of yeah being industry skewed. Um, there was something I wanted to pull a thread from Samir's response. Um, you know, in preparing for this podcast, Ben, I was looking for your Twitter uh, timeline. And something I noticed was there were people who uh, you got into one discussion of like, shouldn't it be uh, someone was asking like, shouldn't kind of more provincial um, uh, bodies be looking into this issue? And you were like, no, this is a systemic issue that kind of it's not just relegated to Ontario, just because there's a fourth carrier in Quebec doesn't mean that Videotron, for instance, doesn't practice uh, aggressive sales tactics. Is that something you could touch on and expand upon here? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Videotron, you know, they're an upstart in the wireless market, but they're one of the four largest companies in the country. You know, it's Quebec or owned by Pierre Carl Pelado. Brian Mulroney is on their board of directors. You know, they offer cable service in Quebec, and uh, they they own lots of TV stations in the French market, which is something us Anglo's sort of sometimes treat as a bit of a blind spot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so Videotron is a is a large company, and I think uh, you know part of part of why I think that this is a positive development is that you you have so many people complaining, you have so much, many anecdotes about uh, these types of uh, misleading practices, and the CBC has conducted. Uh, their study in Ontario, uh, right? This Erica Johnson has done some really great investigative journalism mm-hmm. uh, to reveal these practices. She's had customers come forward by the hundreds, and I believe she's had a large number of people who work in these call centers as well, right? So I think, it, you know, there's only so far that the public broadcaster should be expected to do in terms of exposing these things before the CRTC is supposed to sort of jump into action and say, okay, we've got some evidence that there may be a problem here. Now we're going to have a, a fact-based hearing to look into it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, originally, the the uh, in that letter to PIAC, uh, where the Ian Scott said, "No, we're not going to look into this." People can contact the uh, CCTS. Well, first of all, who's ever heard of the CCTS? Okay, not very many. Not very many not people. A, you know, yeah, not very many. Think, you know, it may, it may be getting better, and uh, and you know, we can't we can't just say, well, you know, if someone doesn't care to figure out what their options are, then uh, then you know, we don't want mommy holding her hand or whatever it is. But at the same time. Um, you have to know what the CCTS is. You have to have a huge amount of knowledge of how to deal with these telecom companies on the phone, right? And I think also what we need to keep in mind is that when you call and complain to the CCTS, they might resolve your individual complaint. But if these types of practices are going on across the industry, that's not a way to solve the problem on a systematic basis, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And people shouldn't have to have four hours in the middle of the day to sort out uh, an issue with Rogers or Bell. I mean, that's not something we should expect of our consumers. Mm-hmm. I, Rose, I agree 100%. And if I can just tell you a quick anecdote here, you know, when they raise the prices and mobile syrup, I find is great for this because uh, whenever I need to find about, out about price increases or what the carrier services are, go to your website. And there's a, a nice mm. record stretching back years and years of, uh, of documenting these types of things that you can't do by going to the carrier's websites. So when you guys reported on the uh, $8 increases that happened earlier this year on right. home internet, I called my service provider up, you know, here I am, uh, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a relatively proactive, dynamic telecom person who <laughs> happens, happens to have a little bit of time in the afternoon uh, from time to time. So I call, called him up and spent about an hour bargaining, you know, and I threatened to cancel my service and I 
tell them, tell them about what the customer, uh, the competitors are offering and so on and so forth. And I walked away from this phone call thinking that they had offered me a deal where uh, I wouldn't be subject to this $8 increase, right? And it might have been time sensitive. Or something like that. But here I am now paying 65 bucks a month for internet and I was paying 55 before. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm a PhD student studying this, studying this thing, uh, this industry. And they were able to convince me over the phone that I was getting a discount I mean, and, and by raising the price even more than what they had originally said they were going to. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, so. further anecdotal, uh, you know, evidence is I, I worked in sales for both Bell and Rogers. And so I know how that experience is and the, the pressure internally to sell. Um, you have, you know, you have these deals that you have to offer people and you know that they're not good and you know that they're limited time. They will go up after a certain amount of time mm-hmm. or whatever it happens to be, but you have to keep your job. And so you have to sell a certain amount and, you know, there's a lot of pressure to keep up those, uh, you know, and I have been told like in the, the reporting, oh, you should sell to seniors. You should tell to sell to people who you know, don't have Pray English their as, their, as their second language. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just do it to their account before they even really can say no. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's just, that's something that I've experienced. So it really is a major issue. And that's both in the East Coast in Ontario that I worked in sales. So mm-hmm. it's, a, I, I'm, I'm really happy to see that like the CBC and everybody who reported on it did make a change. And that's really, that's mm-hmm. really promising. Um, so if we can just return back to the hearing, uh, Rose, can you detail the process that this is going to go through for people who aren't too familiar with it? And then starting with uh, you, Samir, and then going to Ben, how do you see this investigation turning out? I mean, so for this, uh, well, I can't say exactly how the CRTC prepares their uh, mm-hmm. reports. Um, that's a bit of a black box to me. I don't know. Maybe Ben knows more about mm-hmm. it. But uh, in terms of how it goes, I mean, I think we can expect to see that some something that's pretty industry skewed and very understanding of, oh, well, you know, customers have to look through the fine print, you know. So I think mm-hmm. we may we may see some suggestions out of it, but probably pretty in line with what we've seen before from Ian Scott. It will be um, uh, an industry skewed compromise that nobody's very happy about. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. It's going to be an industry-skewed compromise that, and actually, I I shouldn't say I wholeheartedly agree, because it's going to be an industry-skewed compromise that's obviously going to be very good for industry because they're going to be able to continue uh, with these practices in, in a certain way. But I think what these hearings are going to reveal and it's obviously going to be uh, through the anecdotal evidence that is put forward and through the consumer advocacy groups who are who are going to come forward and speak as well. Uh, what we're going to see is that this is a problem, first of all, that affects everyone. It's a problem that is way more insidious than we could have possibly imagined in our worst nightmares. A little hyperbolic, certainly, but again, I'm going to stand by the hyperbole. And we're going to see that industry doesn't actually care. I think I think we're gonna we're gonna see that the, uh, these carriers, these companies are not our friends. We're gonna see that they don't um, really terribly care about the lives that they're effectively ruining and damaging, and that's going to be the more important aspect of these hearings. And the report is going to be the report. Uh, of course, it's not going to go as far as we'd like it to go because the, you know the CRTC under Ian Scott is a CRTC under Ian Scott. 
But I, I think it's it's certainly going to be a wake up call to a lot of people that they don't have to necessarily put up with the nonsense that they're putting up with. Spicy takes ruining lives. That's <laughs> right. the pullout quote. All right, Ben, you're gonna have to give us your the hottest take yet. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm sorry. I think I'm probably going to disappoint you because I think I'm going to take a little bit more conservative of a view here. Mm -hmm. Um, both in terms of what I would predict and uh, and what I think that the outcome might be of this uh, this hearing. So mm-hmm. I'll start off with, um, I guess, when J.P. Blake came in uh, in 2012, one of his very first acts was to deny a merger between Bell and Estral Media, which is the largest independent uh, broadcaster in the country at the time. And it was kind of like a shot across the bow of the industry. Uh, right? And I think his tenure as CRTC chairman, this is the previous CRTC chairman for uh, for those who uh, who might not know, I, he um, his his tenure as a CRTC chair was was characterized as I think he made some positive moves forward. He wasn't particularly friendly with the industry, um, and we've got you know we here have some really strong net neutrality protections in in Canada thanks to uh, thanks to his leadership as well as uh, something I think is relevant here the wireless code right. And I'll get to that in a minute, but um, Ian Scott hasn't had that chance yet. And I think that this, you know, aside from the fact that they've been pretty passive and that there seems to be this general sense that the CRTC is back to business as usual, I mean, I think that I'm not prepared to write them off here. I think that this uh, this hearing might provide them with a an opportunity to um, sort of make their mark, make you know, his his leadership as, as his marks to show that he's not just in it for the industry, that he's not just uh, going to sit in the chair and uh, and put the CRTC on autopilot. And so that brings me to, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, the thing is, I think that he's been very clear about wanting stability. So what do you, you know, cause from his, he's, he said, oh, I don't want to upset the industry. I want a stable market. So it seems to right. me like it would be unlikely. So, uh, I mean, here's the thing, right. Is to have a stable market, you know, you can't have your customers all pissed off the entire time. Right. And complaining and you can't, uh, I mean, the, the minister sending an order to the CRTC, two orders to the CRTC already in this uh, first year here, you know, saying think think twice about this. Uh, that's not stability, you know. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, there's a difference between providing certainty in an industry, regulatory certainty in this case, and uh, doing what the industry likes, right? They, uh, I think in a lot of cases, make a lot of noise about regulations, but the preference amongst the decision makers of these companies is really for predictable rules, right? They don't care so much what the rules are just as long as they know what they are. And so I think in this particular case, the CRTC has an opportunity, for instance, to bring in something like like more of a unified code of conduct for the way that these companies offer services, right? And uh, I think that they could do a little bit of capacity building as well in terms of just policing the types of practices that these companies do. Uh, you know, CRTC's got the power to, uh, to appoint inspectors, right? And they also have the power to issue fines. So, I mean, one thing that I could possibly see, you know, and this is sort of more like a wish list, right? But, uh, but I think it's within the realm of possibility to think that CRTC might task a couple people sitting in their office to, uh, to survey the company's websites, to see what's on offer, to, uh, you know, 
pick up the phone and do some mystery shopping over the phone. It wouldn't be terribly expensive, you know. Uh, you don't they don't have to create an an army of roving uh, roving fake customers across the country, right? Look at the websites and call the phone, and uh, you know I think um, just the knowledge that that's that's possible, and that there might be a fine for one of these companies if they're going to uh, you know try to upsell in a way that's uh, that's uh, untoward or you know, to, uh, to lie about price increases or something like that. I think that might have a real strong deterrent effect. So I don't think it would be that radical, you know, and, and I think that I, there's room, there's room here to make a positive improvement. So I'm holding my breath. It's interesting. I mean, even if they did do that, it, it would be difficult to make, uh, rules or hard and fast changes that I think really affected customer service and high pressure sales unless they, um, sort of, tinkered with the the commission structure. And one of the things that I would like personally like to see would be um, ensuring that there were some people who work within uh, customer service at those companies who don't make commission. But through a lot of what I've looked into, um, most people who work on the phones or work in stores uh, always make commission for these companies. So I think like that could be a positive change. But if you're just going in and saying uh, you have to be better to, to customers and yet they still have this pressure to sell and to make money. I don't really know how much that could uh, make a change. But I think I think your idea, Rose, is a great one. You know, and that's it's that's that's sort of that's the reason why we have these consultations. You know, is uh, because there's 460 people working on all different kinds of things at CRTC, and uh, and there's a lot more people in the country who might have good ideas that they can share. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think I'm I think that that would be uh, that would be a great first step. And I mean, just in terms of the way that the CRTC itself works, they have a whole lot of these, they're called CISCs, which is Communication Interconnection Steering Committee, I think is what it stands for, where the industry, uh, members of the industry come in and they, uh, you know, they form uh, an objective. So for instance, they've got one right now that's going on with the set-top boxes for next generation cable service. How are these things going to work? How, how is the data collection going to go? So on. And so, I mean, I think there's, there's, uh, you know, a practice that already exists at CRTC where they send some of their people to these meetings and the industry members send some of their, you know, the big companies, the competitors, maybe equipment manufacturers or people from the sales departments and so on. So, I mean, the capacity to sort of work out like a, a compromised position is, is already there. It'd be nice to see them working through it in a way like that. Right. I should submit a proposal. You've just inspired me. I should, I should have my voice be heard. Uh, today I learned there are 466 people working at the CRTC. <laughs> um, well, we could talk about this topic uh, for a great deal longer time. Uh, I did want to talk about uh, something that you put forward this week, Ben, which was the uh, CRTC flex plans. Um, you know, for our readers who are, as you said, not PhD candidates uh, or PhD students, excuse me, were devoting their life to this. Can you just detail? Um, the flex plans you put forward uh, with your colleague um, and kind of the process that went into that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, this is shifting gears a little more specifically to wireless, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we've had these problems in Canada for a long time with affordable mobile services. Uh, you know, I think that the uh, prices are generally recognized as being very high, in some cases amongst the highest in the world. And we have another case where the CRTC has been looking at this for a long time, but they haven't really been able to come up with a proper solution. So the minister sent uh, sent an order to the CRTC that said, uh, "We want you to reconsider some of these previous decisions you made. We don't think we think maybe you haven't gone far enough with some of them." 
scared to see came back and they said, yeah, well, we're, you know, uh, thanks for, thanks for giving us a chance to think about this again, but we'll take a pass. However, we will, uh, we will, uh, you know, go in what I think is an interesting direction. It said, instead of trying to get more competition in the short term, what we're going to do is we're going to regulate these companies so that they offer service to what, what they think is the most, uh, the most pressing concern. And I, you know, I think I share that to a concern to a certain degree. It's that low income people in Canada are dramatically less likely to subscribe to mobile services than people on average and, uh, you know, higher, higher earning income people in general. So for instance, you know, if you look at people earning over about 75 K a year, it's 90 plus percent have a mobile phone, at least one mobile phone. But if you're looking at people who are earning 55 K a year or less, it's 85%. And if you're looking at people who are earning under 32, and these are just approximate numbers, you know, like the, the poorest group of people in the country, it's 67.8% or 68.7%, less than 70% of them, you know? So that's two, two out of three have one, one out of three doesn't, right? And this is for a service that the government has, uh, you know, not just the government, they've recognized this, but I think everybody can, can recognize at this point that if you want to participate in society, you're at a significant disadvantage without a mobile phone, you know, without access to the internet. You want to find out where you're going. Well, how are you going to do that without Google Maps, you know? Anyway, yeah. Um, so I wrote a report basically, right, to the CRTC that said, uh, you know, here's your problem. You've got this adoption problem. And Dwayne and I, uh, my PhD supervisor, Dwayne uh, Winsek, worked together to write this report that said, here's your problem. You've got these low adoption figures. Why are people uh, who have earned less money uh, less likely to have a cell phone? Well, because it's so damn expensive in this country. We went, uh, Dwayne and I went and collected up a bunch of information from authoritative sources like other regulators, um, from consultancies, and uh, and put it all together. And uh, <clears throat> what it shows is that people aren't subscribing at the lower level. I think it's fairly obvious at first, right? But the, the data all supports this idea that people aren't, aren't subscribing to mobile phones because it's too expensive. And so we put together this proposal, the Flex Plan, uh, that I think is a good first step in the short term that'll help address that affordability gap. Um, and then we can talk maybe later about some longer term solutions. What I really like about the Flex Plan is that when you have like the those lower allotments of data, like 250 megabytes, the very least you're you're spending what you should be spending for them which is, I think it was five bucks for 250 MB, right? Yeah, um, so I think, thanks, I'd like it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. I don't think it's a, you know, I think the, uh, to me it's, you know, it obviously doesn't fully solve the, the issue because it, the fact is that lower income people need uh, large amounts of data, just like we all do now. Mm. So... I mean, that, that issue is only solved by competition and perhaps I, I feel like it would have been smarter just to, to do bigger allotments of data with using just 3G or something like that. I know that is something that TELUS proposed a little bit, but um, the, the, the plans are not what, the, what kind of consumers want, right? Consumers mm -hmm. want cheaper plans and they got data-only plans that are... 30, between 25 and 30 bucks. So I think the flex plan uh, is, a, is a lot better of an idea, but it's not all the way there yet, of course. And that's what you were saying, Ben. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And just let me tell you a little bit about how, uh, you know, sort of our thought processes as, as this plan was designed. Um, when you look at the market and 
I mean, okay, so let's just take as an example the lower cost plans that these companies proposed. Okay, uh, now I think I've heard several people now uh, describe them as a joke. Uh, I wouldn't do the same because I don't really think it's very funny. You know, no. the CRTC asked these companies to make their proposal to serve people who have a hard time in life as it is, hard enough time in life as it is, with some more affordable service plans. And the lowest price plan that these companies came back in with was 25 bucks for 400 megabytes. Okay, that's not a, a lower cost, um, da higher data plan. It's a higher cost, lower data plan, as far as I'm concerned. True. You know, and so what you see, I think, is that they're below 25 bucks for the bare bones, you know, amount of data that uh, you, you're sure to blow over uh, type of plan. There isn't anything on the market. If you look around at all these service providers, you know, we've, we've had these deals that came in once again reported on by mobile surf, you know, the 60 bucks for 10 gigs deals, right? And video oh, yeah. the infamous 60 bucks, yeah, 10 gig deal. There was double data in Manitoba earlier this summer. Uh, and now Videotron coming into Ottawa with four gigs for 45 bucks, right? Those are all good if you can afford 45 or 65 or 70 or $80 a month, right? But there's literally, and, and I think that those price points have improved a lot in the past years, largely thanks to Wind, uh, now Freedom Mobile, Videotron, Eastlink, and that type of competition, right? But what none of those companies are going to do is start serving people who can only afford to spend four or five, 10, 15 bucks a month. They're just not interested, right? And this is the history of communications in this country. When it was 100 years ago and people were just getting telephones wired to their house, the poor people weren't getting served. It was the businesses in the cities. It was the rich people in the cities. And it was, uh, you know, years later, it was the, the, to the country and to poor people, right? So, so what we were trying to do at this time is we were trying to say, look, there is nothing in this in this space here. Uh, so we're going to propose a plan that has a very low entry point and it provides a small amount of data at that entry point. And then if people want to use more data, it, it makes that available without forcing you to commit to a price point per month that you might not A, know if you can afford, or B, know if you're even going to need that much data in the first place. Um, so we'd love to talk about this more, but for once, Robin is not the one gesturing for me to finish the podcast, but a bunch of people outside the studio um, <laughs> they've got pitchforks. They got pitchforks and torches and torches. Um, ben, thank you so much for joining on the uh, joining us on the podcast. We'd love to have you back if you'll take us. Oh, hey, thanks a lot. I'm always always glad to talk about this with uh, with other keen people. So, uh, so yeah, for sure. I hope we get the chance to talk in the future. Uh, ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, it's at Ben Class with the K at Twitter, or uh, or yeah, I mean that's the best way. Um, Rose, where can people find you? Same. Best way to find me is on Twitter, apart from mobile syrup, of course. I, I am at Rose Bahar, B-E-H-A-R. And Samir? Uh, best place to find me is actually <laughs> on mobile syrup, but you can also find me on Twitter at Samir Chabra 94. This mobile syrup website you guys have mentioned multiple times today. It sounds really great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Where can people find mobile syrup? Um, they can find it at HTTP colon slash S. slash... <laughs> HTTPS, I'm sorry, colon slash slash mobile syrup dot com. Add another slash at the end. Unlike some companies, mobile syrup takes your privacy and security <laughs> seriously, which is why we have HTTPS. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll save the shout outs for next week. Uh, ben, thank you again. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>